hey guys, the first interview was received so well that we decided to do another one and we're going to make this into a series uh, with some of our Mastermind and Cairo Business 101 clients. In this episode, we interview George Nicolopoulos. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, of Spine and Sport of Chicago. He is just an amazing guy, amazing practitioner. Uh, We talk about quite a few things here, but I remember when I met George, he said to me, you know, I knew I needed you, but I didn't know you existed. So George has an interesting and unique case, and I get so many docs out there that reach out asking about purchasing a practice or starting their own. And George was somebody who purchased a practice in downtown Chicago. And so we talk about the positives and the negatives of that. Um, We talk about what his biggest takeaways were from our Cairo Business 101, which is our seven-week course. It's a fundamental playbook on how to run a rehab chiropractic practice, which he was a student in. Um, Some of my takeaways of what he got out of it was he bought his time back, right? We don't think about that. We just think about grinding and working really hard. But since taking the course, he's been able to find a way to buy his own time back to help him work on the business, not just in the business. Something else was company culture. And again, I, my personal belief in the rehab Cairo space, most of us sort of hang up a shingle and that's the end of our business career. And I'm really bullish on building teams and building cultures. So he has a team set up and now being able to set up core values and really growing the business in a way to create that team culture and environment. So it's a place that number one, you as the business owner want to work in and you can retain and hire really good employees. Uh, And I think the last thing too, just listening to George talk, which is something personally that makes me the most proud of the program that we have is he just seemed happier. And it's not the first time that I've heard that. And I got into this coaching you know, thing to help people grow their business, make more money and that whole thing. But what I find to be the biggest, uh, I don't know if it's a growth factor or just, just overall you know, thing that I've taken away is how happy people are when they start to run the business and the business doesn't run them. Now, I've had a couple people ask about how to get started in program. So just want to let you know, if you want to go on the same journey as George, George did our Cairo Business 101 program, and we are now accepting applications to join. It is our playbook. It is our fundamental program on how to run a rehab chiropractic practice, goes through company culture, core values, fundamentals of marketing, sales process, and so, so, so much more. So if you want to go on the same journey as George, please just reach out to me, coaching at strivetomove.com. And I hope you really, really enjoy the episode. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the business school for the rehab chiropractor. Class is officially in session. My name is Justin Rabinowitz, and I am a rehab chiropractor on a mission to teach you, a fellow rehab chiropractor, the exact tools and systems I've used to build my own successful rehab chiropractic practice so you can do the same. I hope you enjoy and please subscribe. All right. We have another very special guest here. George, how are you today, bud? I'm doing well. I am doing very well. Excellent. So you, like me, are in the in a cold region still. We're trying to, we just got snow today. It was 70 the other day. Now it's snowing. So um, I'm sure you guys have some weird stuff going on in Chicago as well, right? Yeah, it was 75 on Saturday. So everybody went out and had a great time. And then by the end of the day, it was snowing. So crazy, craziness, craziness. So uh, George, tell us a little bit about yourself, your practice, how you got started, and then uh, we can take it from there. 
Yeah. So uh, my name is George Nikolopoulos. I am a, uh, a chiropractor, obviously, uh, based out of Chicago. Uh, I practice more of McKenzie, DNS, ART, so active kind of rehab and, and kind of we're really looking to get people better, discharge them, have them live their lives and, and enjoy themselves. I have owned this business since <clears throat> since April of 2019. Uh, and there's been a lot of ups and downs, mostly ups, but of course some downs uh, given everything that is happening now. Um, and yeah, uh, I got married a couple months ago and, and life is good. I have very good. few complaints. Beautiful. I, lo- I love it. So you are in the city of Chicago, just for people that don't, uh, that don't know, correct? That, that is correct. Yeah. We are what most people would consider downtown Chicago. Yep. Um, officially, we are in the neighborhood called River North. So it's just gotcha. north of what people consider downtown. So. And we got introduced by a mutual friend, uh, shout out to the canine PT, our friend, uh, our, our friend um, Francisco, correct? He was, uh, he's a, one of my business colleagues and he is a, pay- he, uh, not the hip- he, you guys are friends. Correct. Yes. Yeah. yeah. We've been, we've gone way back and he, I can't say enough good things about his, uh, his canine rehab. Nothing, you know, no one has compared how good he has been to my dog. So Fantastic. And he highly recommended you. So I had to, you know, I love I had it. To listen. I love it. So you bought the practice in 2019. When did you graduate from school? I graduated from chiropractic school in February of 2015 from, okay. uh, from Palmer so, College in Iowa. So take us through sort of the four years. Did you ever think you were going to be a business owner? Not one bit. Not one part of me thought that I would ever own a business. It's just kind of worked out that way. Um, without going into too much detail, um, the my mentor got a better opportunity and I purchased the business from him. Completely ill-prepared and, and, and just happy and excited to be trying something new and there have been some growing pains to say. Yeah. That, so, you know, we have a lot of students that listen, a lot of people that are thinking about, I, I have questions all the time. Should I start my own? Should I buy a practice? You know, all these different things. And, um, you know, you've had experience as an associate uh, purchasing a practice. So when you talk about some of the things that maybe you weren't aware of or or struggles, and again, it's it's just, it's an educational opportunity of things that you I wish I would have known that when I signed up for this. What are some of those lessons that that you that you know now that you didn't know before? Well, I, I didn't really understand what it was like to manage other people. Um, I'm used to managing patients and cases and, and kind of dealing with getting humans better and improving their condition, but it, it's different managing different personalities and understanding the intricacies of um, how billing works and payments work and things of that nature and kind of being the face of an organization as, as opposed to a, a face among people in an organization is, is always a challenge. But I think that if, if you're the kind of person who's a bit of a go-getter, even at least a little bit, because again, I was ill-prepared and didn't know what I was doing and I managed just fine. I, I think most chiropractors can handle it. We have the level of intelligence, I believe, to, to do it. It's just about kind of finding, finding those weak points and improving them. And you know, of course, that's why working with someone like you is so beneficial. So, so, so let's get into that. So you, you purchased the business. It was already established. Um, and you know, you took over, what were some of the things that going into it that you were struggling with that, you know, someone that's coming out of school, either looking to buy a practice, start their own, where you did hit roadblocks. Uh, when it comes to like the first couple, the first year, two years of starting it out. Yeah, so so you bought in 2019, and then we we started working together. Um, you joined our our business course, you know, about six months ago. So, what were some of the struggles you were having that you sort of needed help with beforehand? Yeah, so I I would say that 
my abilities as a business owner were very raw. When we first met, I knew that the overarching goal is to improve patients' lives and patients' quality of lives, but I didn't understand really how to manage the structure of make an organization allowing that to happen. Right. I knew my part was to help with health and, and help with kind of getting that rehab going, but I didn't understand kind of um, overarching goals, setting up core values, things for your, your employees to live by and, and ways that they can kind of define their work a little bit more objectively and, and kind of ways to measure them. I, none of that, zero part of that. Um, it, it, and it's interesting because coming from the clinical world that you do specifically like McKenzie, mm-hmm. um, you know, we, and, and even just regular chiropractic school, we learn about how to make things objective. Correct. Um, and, and so you would think that we would do that in our business, but until someone taught me, I, I didn't know about it. I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know what a KPI was. I didn't know core value. And so for you, what was that thought, sort of thought process? Was it like an aha moment or was it like, a, I can't believe I haven't done this? Or was it like, wow, I've been looking for these type of things and I just didn't know they existed? So for me, I think the biggest uh, overarching thing for me is, is the second I sat down and we started kind of going over some of the stuff in, in the first mastermind meeting that we did, it was like, uh, I, how did I not think of this stuff? It makes so much sense. Just having it outlined for me, like, we're used to learning from the people who have done this for a long time. In Cairo School, you know, again, McKenzie, DNS, ART, these are established, well-researched things that that we kind of base our treatment model off of. And without somebody kind of outlining that a little bit better, I was just kind of lost swimming without a paddle or without flippers on, so to speak. Um, it kind of hones it in a little bit. I, it's funny you say that because our, our rehab Cairo audience will appreciate what you just said, I feel the same way about McKenzie. It's like, oh, this just sort of makes a system. It actually just sort of makes sense. Uh, yeah. You know, there's some rules to follow, but there's some, you know, there's some intuition on on how to go about and where to start, but there's a system and a process in place. And um, uh, the thing, the thing in like with McKenzie, which I feel like we try to get to in business with KPIs is that you always arrive at an answer. It's not the answer you always want to hear or like. Same thing in business, right? So a KPI, and for the audience that doesn't know, a KPI is a key performance indicator. And so rather than, you know, me and my employees sitting down and saying, you're doing a great job or you're doing a bad job. And they're saying, well, I think I'm doing a great job. Now we have an objective way to arrive at an answer. You know, you're doing a bad job because our goal was 40 leads for a marketing department and we're getting 23 right now. Okay. We agreed on the KPI. We're not hitting it. Now let's have a conversation on what has to happen, right? And and so the idea with setting up those metrics and KPIs, I think it, a lot of times it takes the emotion and the drama out of, you know, you mentioned kind of tying it back to, to people, right? And working with people is challenging, no matter if you have KPIs or not. But I think what we do a lot of times, and I always think about it, is when you have objective measures, it can take some of that, drama, some of that craziness, some of the, oh, that guy's a jerk, you know, out of the equation. Because I I think metrics and systems and processes, what I always say about that with our employees is I don't have to tell them how they're doing. They tell me. Yep. I agree with that. I'm I'm a very emotional leader and, and, you know, it's one of my weak points that I'm working on as a business owner. I, I let my like emotions drive myself. I'm great. It's how it goes. But 
Um, for, for me, kind of having these objective ways to say, okay, here's what you need to improve on. Here's what you need to do. It's, it's not just about, you know, you have this many patients in the door. It's, there's more to it than that. You, you can have an objective measure to say, hey, these are the areas you need to improve on. These are the areas that you excel in. Keep doing these well, but you need to focus more on this and this if you're really going to grow. Yeah. You know, yeah. Without accurate measurements, you, you're just kind of, again, doing nothing, staring at yeah. a wall. But I think, you know, as I'm listening to you talk and for the audience, the lesson here is, you know, you describe yourself as someone that is emotional, right? And I often think that our biggest strength often can become our biggest weakness. It doesn't mean that we should not be who we are, right? There are some people like, think about the classic like tech nerd, that they don't have any emotion. So if they're leading a team, it's just data-driven and metrics. And so having none of the emotion involved, people respond to people. And so for you, potentially, as you're talking and you sort of mentioned the KPIs and metrics, that's a level of understanding, I think, as I observe, and that you understand who you are as a person. And to bring you back to equilibrium, having metrics and, and processes gets you some of the other side of it. Whereas again, Another type of leader who's all data-driven, well, that doesn't work either because people are people and there are emotions that are involved. And so I think that, you know, in a perfect world, any decision-making process or any conversation is a 50-50 relationship. It's 50% subjective and 50% objective. If you're all emotion, it's 80% subjective, 90% subjective, and there's no data or facts, we can go down rabbit holes um, and really create a mountain out of a molehill for ourselves, for our employees, and where it's just because we didn't have the data and the facts surrounding it. And so it's a really good observation. And the fact that um, you picked up on not, you know, most business owners, they can, they get stuck because they continue to do the things they're good at. The best business owners find where the bottlenecks are and then solve them. And so for you to recognize, I am a very emotional person and I'm not going to change that. And my goal, you know, working with you would never be to change that. It would be to, again, bring you back to equilibrium and give you a little bit of the other side. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It it allows, it allowed me ways to take the emotion out of it while still being who I am, which I think was very important. And I could not wrap my head around how to do that because, you know, if you're, if you're colorblind, you can't wrap your head around what this color looks like. Um, until right. somebody shows you, of course. How many how many staff do you have? So right now we just hired our fourth person. So it is myself, another Cairo. We have an overarching office manager, um, and as of today, actually, I'm filling out the paperwork to hire a full time receptionist. Nice. Um, so we were we were I, we haven't spoken in a little while, and you were yeah. taking. I mean kudos, man, taking action. Cause when we spoke a few weeks ago, that was a thought. And to be honest with you, a lot of people in your situation, you would come onto the, and say, I'm still thinking about it, you know, but the fact <laughs> that you've taken action on it is, is phenomenal. Well, know? it needs to be done. You know, we're, we're as a business, I think that we can better serve our patients by having the right members, the right people to do the right jobs so that we can better focus on the things that make our business more successful. So out of curiosity, how many of the staff outside of this one you just hired were here when were, when you started? Or are they all, everyone new? So it was my, myself and Marcus. So just the two of us. So essentially two people are new and we're actually looking at hiring a, a third, more of like a manual therapy, massage therapist person within the next month too. So. And again, just for the audience out there, there's so much to learn from this conversation. And I'm, I'm interested to hear, you know, I started this business from scratch. And so every single person that's come 
underneath us, they've only been with me, which again is good and bad, right? They like Dr. Ashton, he came out of school and started working with me. So his treatment looks very much like mine, which is fine, but I also don't love it because I want him to have other, other, you know, opportunities, other exposures. One of the, one of the concerns, um, and one of our most recent uh, masterminds, I had a friend of mine, Jerry Yu, who purchased the practice recently. And I asked him what was his biggest concern when he purchased the practice. And what he told me was, I was concerned that the admin position was a flight risk. And if she left, she sort of held the keys to the kingdom. And so in his world, he's you're purchasing a thing. And if you have a staff member who's a key member of that staff and they leave, it's like, what are you buying? And this is the strategy, um, which again, like we, we don't know how to think about it in these terms, but you know, it, it can go both ways. You have someone on your team that's really, really good and they're a great person you have alongside with you and you take over practice. Practice. And specifically in your situation, if you came in guns a blazing and had core values and they were never established before and the standards change, all of a sudden you're looking around in three months and everyone's gone. Yep. And again, it's not judgment. It's not good or bad. It just is like that's that's the reality of having someone come in and, and for good or bad or indifferent, things are different, right? Yeah. When I first took over the clinic, actually, <clears throat> it was myself, another doc an acupuncturist and a massage therapist. And I'm the only one remaining from that group because my values and how I wanted to run this place didn't line up with theirs. And it's very, very common. It's very common. You know, most of the people you're, you're, it's probably 70, 30 in the people that join our program and that's they're starting from scratch or they purchased or had already started. And each one has its own set of issues. And even more than that, if, if I get someone on board who already does have a team, and then we start to incorporate some of these new processes and procedures, realistically, the people that you have probably won't stay. And again, as I say, it's not because they're bad people. It's because you've learned how to do it a little bit differently and you've sort of changed the game on them for the better. Mm-hmm. And we hope that they want to come along with you and play the game, you know, standards and core value, but it doesn't happen that way. And it isn't their fault. And it's not that, you know, the business owner did anything wrong. It's just that, you know, I tell my team all the time, I'm going to continue to learn and grow, right? The people that are going to last with us are going to get, are, are, have to learn and grow with me, right? Because there won't be a place for you if you sort of get stuck because I won't get stuck. I promise you I won't. And, and you know, one of the things as a business owner, I think is like in a year or two, you're going to learn more new information. And it's like, can the team adapt? Can they, we want everyone to stay, but maybe it isn't the, the right thing, you know? So, you know, it's an, it's an interesting situation and, and I, and I appreciate you talking about how everyone sort of has turned over, um, which again, I don't think is a, is a, a bad thing. It's, it probably is a healthy thing. And realistically, if we went back to the people not knowing the situation, probably said, yeah, it was just the right time. Like it was just, it, it was just time to move on. You know, yep. it was a good thing. So yeah, people move on and, and to bigger and better for everyone. I think most of that. Absolutely. We, we, we hope. And, you know, if, even if it's just a fit that changes, um, you know, I, so far I've been fortunate, but I do question myself. We've been open for six years and have never really lost a team member, which is a pat on the shoulder. I think it's a good thing. We have a good culture, but at the same time, like, is there a piece of me that's saying like, am I not pushing us hard enough? You know, and that's, that's where we got to get to. I think in, in business is having those, those conversations. So, you know, you mentioned a few times core values and, and objective measures, and actually that's, that's lesson one of Cairo Business 101. Can you take us through some specific examples of sort of, of 
where you were and like some of the lessons that you've employed already? Yeah. So as <clears throat> specifically as of core values, you hear everyone always talk about these buzzwords. <clears throat> Excuse me. I do apologize. It's okay. Um, for me, I never really understood the importance of really hammering that stuff away um, and kind of really setting up the the blueprint, so to speak, for a patient experience. And and for me, the second I started walking around and saying, I have two that I really like, are, are two core values. The second I started you know, saying them to patients, people started to get it a little bit more, um, or at least Marcus and I did, and the office manager gets it. I mean, it's, it's more about kind of defining your, the way that you are going to set up your clinic. Um, for me, the, the two core values that we kind of harp uh, more so than anything is the maximum effort is our minimum bar. I say that all the time because the, the least thing, the, the lesser, say this, the, the, the smallest thing that you can put forward is the most effort you can put forward. What I mean to say is like you have to constantly be trying to improve that patient's life. You have to be constantly trying to make their billing easier or, or anything yeah. like that. If the patient sees that you're trying hard, they get it. They'll work with you until you know until you come up to a solution. Um, the other one that I really like that we use a lot is you know be human first. Professional trumps that. You know right. you are a human first. You are a professional even above that. And and I think that kind of connecting with patients on a human level and getting to know them and, and kind of understanding where they are with with things it does work well. Um, at least for us personally. Yeah. For me. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, kind of off the thing. For me, I think that that starting with those core values really did help me uh, kind of lay the framework for everything else. Um, as far as other implementation, um, I really did like the uh, how to not be sleazy with sales portion. That was like my biggest concern. Um, previous owner loved me to cold call places and walk into physical therapy clinics and stuff like that. And I had no real direction in how I was doing that and, and kind of understanding how the best way to market to the kind of patients we were looking for without selling them and being more of a marketing thing. It really did kind of redefine the way that we're going about stuff. So, so, so talk about that. Cause I, if gun to my head, the one issue, I don't think rehab chiros, they might not keep track of their numbers. Um, but they're not opposed to it. Uh, as far as having core values, they may not have it, but they're not opposed to it. Um, where we've struggled, whether it's hiring or whether it's getting people involved, is that sleazy word of sales. And yeah. you know, I could go on and on and on. So give dive a dive a little deeper into that because you know, I know the type of person you are. I know the type of chiropractor that you are. That rehab yeah. chiro that doesn't want to be the sleazy sales guy. Um, and I try, I, I try my best, but it's challenging to get people to understand. Like, listen, if if it feels like you're being sleazy. If it feels like you're completely doing it wrong, that is not, that is not what we're doing. So give us some more insight into that. Cause I'd love for the, for the audience out there, for the students out there to, to hear what that means to you. Yeah. For, for me, I, I always felt like when I was walking into, um, into a rehab clinic or a doctor's office or all these things, I just kind of felt like I was another face that was handing them a card that they really didn't care about or, or that I was, just another person trying to get business from them without really kind of any sort of real interaction, selling patients on coming in more than, you know, one or two visits felt weird because I felt like I was um, taking their money, but not providing benefit, which doesn't even make sense in the, in the long run of things. Cause you and I both know as hopefully everybody watching this call, you can't fix everybody in two visits. That's just not simply how it works. Right. Um, 
I think for for me, <clears throat> my main takeaway from the without you know being sleazy about stuff is like patients need the amount of care that you think that they need, right? Like like a, pa- a patient needs the care to get better, to fix the problem, to fix their pain, but also fix why they're having pain. You know, and, and you should not feel bad about trying to get a patient to be as good as they can be. You know, their morals and their values and their motivations might be different, but you must, you know, at least try to do your best to get them there. Um, as far as our marketing, we've really kind of reevaluated the way that we do things. Um, and, and it's kind of helped quite a bit. Uh, we've started doing more in-person seminars. My, my employee, Marcus, he's going to be teaching a like once every two weeks um, DNS stability course over at CrossFit Gym, you know, around the corner, and they're more than happy to pay him for his time, and the, the it has been working out very well. You know, we've been seeing a lot from it, and it's something that he loves to do. And I think that when it comes to kind of growing value, we really like to give value to a business; they will give value back to us. I think that you know, before it was like, well, I'm a Cairo, I'm going to fix your people. That's just the way it is. Send me business and. I think that uh, that's just a, that's just not the way it works. <laughs> to right. be honest, you know, I think you have to provide something that that they benefit from as well, um, and then they end up they end up loving you. And, and fixing their people is just a cherry on top, in my opinion. You know, yeah, yeah. I mean, forever and always, as you sort of said in one of your core values, we're we're all in the relationship business first. Yeah, you know, and and that I believe that creating like legitimate relationships with people, whether it is to get in front of them to do a seminar or with the patients in your office, you know, it was explained to me one time, if, if the, if the patient in front of you actually likes you as a person, they're going to give you more of a chance to fix their problem, which is at the end of the day, the goal in the first place. Correct. Yeah. You know? They'll give you more, they'll give you more patience, especially in more complex cases, as long as they like you. And again, they see that you're putting forward maximum amount of effort. Yeah. So I want to dive into, you mentioned talking about, how with patients you shouldn't be afraid to sort of tell them what they need. Mm-hmm. And this is another, you know, huge bone to pick that I have with a lot of these rehab chiros out there. And then it's like, oh, I treat them once and let them tell me when they need me again, which again goes so far in the face of any DNS protocol or Carl Levitt or being a rehab-based chiro that I just can't emotionally and logically get to the point of understanding where that even comes from. So yeah. where, where have you, you know, made that shift in mindset into doing actually what I believe is right for the patient telling them what they need? So yeah, there, there's a, there's a widely, um, specifically for McKenzie, we'll, we'll use that because it's a really good example that, that I think is very applicable. Um, we as providers have put a value on getting people as like pain-free better as fast as possible. Right. And we really do try to get people as fast as possible or better as fast as we can, of course. And that's always the goal. Even McKenzie therapy says that you need a minimum of six visits to figure out what the problem is, right? You need a minimum of six visits to properly classify and diagnose the actual cause of the issue. And that's with, you know, in a PT mindset, six visits of an hour long of them doing rehab things. Now, that six visits is likely to get rid of a lot of their pain. If they have a right side sciatica and they respond to extension lying or side glide, they will likely be out of pain from those initial six visits. However, if their problem is that they sit all day long and then they go to the CrossFit gym and then they do 300 deadlifts without improving their form, without improving their function, stretching their hips bare minimum, they're going to keep having these problems come back. 
So in my opinion, a lot of what we have started to do here is do more of that, not necessarily preventative rehab, because it is still part of the condition. You have to kind of do the things that are setting them up for failure and, and at least improve those. Otherwise, they will continue to have the same problems. You can have somebody come in, you abolish their low back pain and their leg pain in two visits, and then they get better. They leave for two months. They have the same thing, keep coming back. And you know, not to get pathoanatomical with the diagnosis, but if they have continued sciatica that's going down their leg, likely some form of a disc bulge that they are continuing to aggravate over and over. Continually, aggra continually aggravating a disc bulge is going to lead them down a path they don't want to be on. Yeah. You would be doing them a disservice discharging them without improving the reason why it keeps coming back. If that I think it's it's such a great explanation and I and I appreciate the the clinical side, even though this is the business podcast, because the reason why is because I just I personally can't get to the place where I understand how that specific instance of like one session, three sessions, let me know how you are, or whatever the arbitrary number yeah. is, jives with anything that we've learned and studied and gone through now, again, and I think where the 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 dichotomy is or the differentiation has to be, I am a rehab Cairo through and through. Like I believe in all these things. If I bought a practice that was a maintenance practice and they're talking about the subluxation model and the maintenance is to fix that subluxation, well, now I can have a, a legitimate conversation about how I'm probably not doing something that I believe in that's right for the patient. There's right. probably an argument to say that it's it's not harming them and it's better for them anyway. But again, I'm not playing that game. Respect if you are, but that's not the business that I'm in. But I appreciate where you went from a from a clinical standpoint because at no level for me does it make sense. It makes no sense. You know, it doesn't help them. It doesn't help our business. As my friend told me, he was a PT. He said once. He goes, what business in the world is going to try to kick their customers out in like a week or two? Like that makes no sense to any business in a, in the world. The only business that it should make sense, which is a problem. My dad owned a bridal gown business and he would always say, he's like, it ain't good if they're coming back multiple times. That means they're getting married <laughs> two or three, but um, you know, to yeah. release a patient in three sessions because they're out of pain or their back pain is centralized. And then they're sitting at a desk for Morgan Stanley for 12 hours a day. And then they go deadly. 300 and we think that after three sessions they're good i i just can't i don't understand I don't yeah understand. i mean and everybody's dysfunctions are different and i think that as a provider you might be able to figure those out in one or two visits sure but the likelihood that you're going to be able to figure those out resolve them remodel them and stabilize them so it's not going to come back no yeah. one is that good it's just not possible I love it. I love it. So Tychus, take us into your business tell us a big decision that you've made recently a, a big decision yeah, so there's been two major um, things that I did since starting, you know, the the Business 101 program. The first and foremost, which was the best for my mental health, the best thing I've ever done is I was working six days a week. I was here Monday through Friday for basically 10 hours a day and then here for six hours on Saturday, just constantly doing stuff. Um, I gave myself Thursdays off. And nice. since I've taken that day off, I have been seeing more patients than I ever did before. Um, and Explain I, that. Uh, let's go into that. I mean, it's like there's a scarcity mindset and, you know, I, I just, I, it's amazing. And again, we didn't talk before this, so I had no idea. Tell me, tell us about it. Yeah. So, I mean, like I said, Monday through Friday and Saturday, and I was seeing as many as I could because in my mind, the way that you have a successful business, because the way that I saw it before was you just grind the patients, grind the patients, see everyone you can, get them as better as you can. And, you know, working six days a week, it's, you know, morning, midday, evening, everything is 
you know, there's spaces, blocks here and all this stuff. By, by eliminating that day, giving myself a rest day, I'm able to come in more refreshed, more rested and more on point, better with my clinical treatment. Because let's be honest, if you're exhausted, you're not treating patients the best. You're not having the best conversations. Um, in addition, by making the hours less, it is harder for people to get in, which makes them want to get in. You know, it be, because they look online, they see ZocDoc, they see that you have less availability than the guy around the corner they're jumping in your schedule as often as they can. So my days now are more booked back to back with patients and I have a full day off and that's the way that I would prefer to do it. What it has allowed for me to do is do the second big thing, which is feel comfortable hiring more people to take care of all of the things that I cannot do now that I am more booked back to back because of the day off. So in addition to having a day off, I now have less work and I'm making more money by simply just taking a day off. So, Beautiful. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's fantastic. What was the, what was the mindset shift to get you there? Well, talk us through that. I think that especially given the fact that we're in the middle of a, hopefully knock on wood, once in a lifetime global pandemic, I was so scared of losing out on money on that one or two patients that would come in during the middle of the day on a Thursday or the three or four, they can only make it on Thursday at eight in the morning. And I'd have to have to wake up. I was so afraid to lose that hundred, two hundred, three hundred dollars that I was not thinking about my own health. And and honestly, if you're not feeling good about your own health, you can't make other people improve theirs. So I think once I got over the fact that like my business is, is successful because I am who I am and because my people like me and they they like the way that I treat them, they like the way that I improve their lives. Realizing that I need to do a couple of things for my own mental health and kind of improving my own situation. It really was like, okay, we'll try this. And, and if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And we'll go back to doing it. But if I don't try it, I don't know. I think one of the things that you really kind of harped a lot is that everything is a test. You try something. If it works, great. If it doesn't, you can always go back to not doing it. It's not an issue. All you've done is waste a little bit of time. And you've learned that it needs to be done a different way. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, I love it. I think it's it's fantastic. And you know, I almost want to stay on it because, again, I see it so much. And yeah. we, we sort of have, we've stood on the shoulders of giants, I think, in a good way and a bad way. And one of the bad ways is that we just believe the way that our business is going to grow is that we're there five days a week. Well, that's not enough six days a week. So now yeah. make it six and a half. And then soon it's going to be seven. Um, you know, and then we we don't recognize that the asset that we have, which is it's not our hands. It's actually our brain. Yep. And as the business owner, once you sort of move into that realm from chiropractor to business owner, now your brain becomes more valuable than your hands. And so yep. every level for me, as I sort of progress, I recognize that the more moves and things that I do are for the mental to give myself the clarity. And, and again, let's break this down and go into it. So I tell my team this all the time. I said, your job is to protect me. You have to protect me from all the little BS that goes on all the time. Because if I'm involved in that type of stuff, how do you think I'm going to show up to the meetings with you? And by the way, by the way, if you come to ask me for a raise and I'm pissed off because I had to deal with Sally, whose credit card didn't go through, like, do you really think I'm going to be in a, in the mood to even have that conversation? So it benefits me because I can do what I want to do as a business owner, but it benefits you guys because if I'm happy and I'm, and I'm fulfilled and I don't have to get involved in the little BS that happens day to day and I can step away, then 
I'm going to be in a better mood and the business is going to be a better spot so that you can continue to grow financially and, and in the business as well. Yeah. And everything, it all works together. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, my, the best analogy I can come up with is like, if your quarterback's having a bad day, the entire team's having an awful day. You know, if your quarterback can't throw the ball into the tight window, you're not getting anywhere. Um, so, I mean, and as a business owner, you have to think of yourself as a quarterback. Everything goes through you. The ball passes through your hands every single play. And if you don't, if you aren't crisp, you're not, you're not closing the deal. You're not getting patients better. You're not, you know, showing your receptionist how to do things properly. Your receptionist is going to be in a bad mood and it, it just needs to be done. You know, you, yeah. you have to be top notch or else the business will struggle. And and I think at a higher level, what you're actually doing is you're building the muscle for yourself to recognize that actually I'm not relying on this business growing by me treating the patient. And actually I have probably more value in other aspects. And as the business grows with people and staff and money and financially, that will become even more apparent. I think one of the biggest issues we have, um, as a, you know, owning a practice as a business owner is we hire associates and we're buried in the treatment room six days a week. And the associate is in a different treatment room, sort of left to fend for themselves. And they are working their butt off. Maybe they're making money. Maybe they're not, who knows? And they look up six, nine, 12 months, 18 months. And they're like, well, I could just do this on my own because no one's helping me. And, and at that point, then you wonder why you cycle through associates every six, 12, 18 months, because yep. George never tested the idea that if he actually took less time in the treatment room, it would benefit the business. And so I think one of the things that you're proving to yourself as this thing grows more is that it actually is okay. And it's probably going to be better the more I'm actually not treating the patients. Not say you have to give it up, but that there's more value that you can provide for everyone. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, honestly, one of the things that has benefited my business the most um, is taking more time to work with my associate. Uh, when we first started, he was, you know, a year out of school and he's, he had had, you know, we're, we are in with insurance companies, which complicates things a little bit, of course, but he had been in network with insurance companies for four or five months, like not that much time at all to build up, you know, a patient base for himself. And we've been working on marketing and technique and kind of his conversations with patients. And from from the time, probably about seven months ago, he was seeing about eight, nine half hour, hour appointments per week. Now he's seeing this week, I think he's got 19, 20 on, which, you know, it doesn't sound like a ton of patients if you're a five minute, you know, appointment place. But if he's doing that, in addition to some acupuncture treatments here or, you know, ART treatments, I mean, he's seeing 25, 30 patients a week from yeah. eight. And it all it took was me giving a little bit of guidance. And I think that that's invaluable especially if, if your goal is to create something that is uh, more sturdy where your associates aren't going to leave, you have to demonstrate your value and show that you, you care about them. You give a shit, you know, honestly about who they are as a person and their needs to grow. So. What were some of the, so you created the time you're spending more time, but then let take us in, inside. Uh, what were some of the things that you worked with him on that have really improved. And again, if you're out there and you're maybe graduating school or just starting your own, take this advice as to if, you are being advised by someone who's been in practice now for a pretty long time and has obviously shown in a very short time guidance that he's been able to give an associate that he's been able to 3X his patient base. So what are some of the things that you worked with him on to get there? 
Yeah, a lot of it comes down to the way that you converse with patients. So I hired Marcus as a very raw talent. I knew he was going to be a great doctor. I knew that his weak point was communicating what he is trying to say to another human in a way that makes sense to them. Prime example, this one I find hilarious and I bring it up to him all the time to show how far he has grown. Uh, I sent him a patient across the hall. He was having some plantar fasciitis. And he was, you know, the patient asked him, so like, what does it feel like if I were to get my, my plantar fascia dry needle? And I know that that's what I'm coming across here to do. And he's like, well, you know, it kind of feels like uh, the good version of stepping on a Lego. And <laughs> I, there is no good version of that. Yeah. And I understand what he's getting at. It'll feel like a sharp pinch, but you'll feel some spasm and it'll, it'll release. But you could say it that way, or you could say stepping on a Lego. And the patient right. immediately is like, oh, I don't know if I want to do this. It's, it's, it's more about wording and kind of the way they describe stuff. You know, I yeah. think that bedside manner is it's over half the game. I mean, there are tons of great doctors out there. If you can't convey what you know to a patient, you don't know anything. They don't trust right. you. They don't believe in you. So I think a lot of it was kind of growing that confidence saying like, hey, you know this stuff. You see how easy it is for me to tell this stuff to patients. Just figure it out. I mean, this is how you should word things. This is how you should do it. And by doing that and getting that confidence to work with patients and explain it to them better, he then has gained the confidence to work more closely with CrossFit gyms and get more referrals that way, work with different personal trainers and things of that nature to send in more business. So um, it's more so about teaching them bedside manner, how to talk, confidence in, in what they're doing, because not everyone graduates from chiropractic school ready to treat the world and have a conversation with, you know, an 80-year-old man and a 14-year-old girl, you know, at, at the same level. And that's right. an acquired skill that I think is probably one of the most underrated difficulties of, of being in practice. Yeah. And, and again, call it what you want, patient communication, bedside manner, sales. Yeah. So I'm saying like it all is probably under the same umbrella. And, and, yeah. I, and, I, and if I, if you guys listening could take anything from this, don't let the, the, the wording screw up, call whatever you want. But, you know, here we have a high-level McKenzie-trained doc uh, out in Chicago saying the best thing that you can do, the best thing that I did to triple my associate's patient base is teach them how to speak to people, yeah. how to communicate. Right. And know. McKenzie's all about communication, you know? Teaching people what makes them wrong and how to get better, it's the same thing. I mean, if they don't believe your words, they don't believe you. They don't believe yeah. in what you're doing for them. So. Yeah, I think it's, that's, it's awesome. And this has been uh, super fantastic. Uh, so... For the audience out there that might be, that's never done any sort of business coaching before, that's never done any sort of programs, I'm sure there was hesitation on your end before starting. You don't know this guy, he's a weirdo, whatever. Mm -hmm. Is he going to try to sell and all this type of stuff? Yeah. Tell the audience out there, you know, if they are hesitant or not sure if they should reach out, you know, your experience and, and why it might be a good idea. Yeah, I, <clears throat> I was pretty sure that I needed some form of business coaching. I, I knew that I knew how to treat. I knew, I knew that I did not know how to manage a business. So I actually, um, Francisco and I were talking during one of our appointments for my dog. And uh, he had mentioned he's doing business coaching. I was like, ah, I probably need to get on that. But like, I don't know. It's so hard for, my exact words to him were, it is so hard for chiropractors to find business coaches because most of them are full of shit. It was my exact identical words to him. I mean, if you took a you know poll of all the business coaches, 95% of them are preaching subluxation based, you know, adjust every patient every week until the day they die and, you know, that sort of stuff. And for me, I was never going to work with a coach like that. I just couldn't do it. Um, couldn't sleep at night knowing that I'm taking advantage of people. 
or that I'm giving money to a business that's teaching me people how to take advantage of people. So when, um, when Francisco mentioned that he knew a guy who was an objective, you know, science-based pyro, I did my research, looked into it, everything looked solid. And for me, it was, it was kind of a no brainer. I, I knew that I had these weak points. I knew that they needed to improve. I didn't know how to improve them. And um, the fact that he spoke so highly of you, and then I did my research, looked into your website and all the reviews and seeing kind of how people were speaking about how you guys were treating and taking care of patients. It really stuck out to me that that was the kind of, the kind of group that I wanted to be involved in, not the kind of group that I wanted to stay far, far away from. Sure. Yeah. I think you said it to me, which I, I use now a lot. You said, I knew I needed you, but I didn't know you existed. Exactly. Exactly. Like uh, it just, there are so many sleazy BS Cairo business coaches that it makes it hard to find it. You know, if, if everything is, if there's a ton of background noise, you can't focus in on the main target. So. Right. Yeah. Good, man. Well, I, I, first, I think you did an amazing job sort of explaining your process and what I, what I genuinely love about this, where I always thought for me, where I could help with someone like you, who is amazing communicator, an amazing guy has a, really good clinical practice and just add that one or two elements that can make, help you take off. And, yeah. um, you know, I think you were on the call when I mentioned, I believe that there, it's people like you that are going to help propel this profession forward. Right. Um, that. done, done incorrectly as you were going down the line, you would still be the same person. You would still be a good guy. You would still practice well, yeah. My con- the concern is that someone would come in and work for you and be like, nah, he's crazy. He's a jerk. He's too emotional. I never see him. Not because of, uh, not because of you, but because of the circumstance. Yeah. And so I-, I think, you know, for me, I-, I just get a kick out of watching someone like you sort of be like, ah, oh, I got it. And now you're going to have, you have one associate. I'm sure there's going to be others that come in and now it can be something where it doesn't have to be Justin going to speak to this chiropractic college. And when they ask me about an associateship, I have to say, well, you're going to find one. It's going to be terrible, but just, just bear it out until you can do your own thing. Right. And, and I think people like you, people like other people in the group are the ones out there that are going to help to change that narrative. So, you know, I thank you for, you know, going through the course, but more so implementing it and then helping out the profession as a whole, because we are going to now have opportunities for other people, other young Kairos to come out and actually have a quality place to work where they can make a livable wage. You got to work your ass off. Don't get me wrong, but the standards are high, but you know, it's a good, it's a damn good place to be. Yeah. I like to think so. We, we try to take good care of people, you know, and, and I really honestly believe that <clears throat> I would have been, how do I say this without sounding arrogant? I would have been successful regardless if I had not taken this. It would have just taken a shit ton more effort, a lot yeah. more effort, you know, having to try to hold on to associates without an overarching goal or train office staff without knowing what you're looking for in a good office staff person. You know, all of these things I would have struggled and had more turnover and I would have made ends meet, paid off my loans and lived a happy life. But I feel now I'm more comfortable knowing that things are more secure than they are, than they are uh, fluid, so to speak. I love it. Yeah, foundation. Fantastic. So, like most of the powers that I interview, they're they're really about, I think, helping out. They love to help others, and they love to, you know, other people that might be interested. So, um, tell tell other Cairo students where they could find you if they want to reach out. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, we are based in Chicago. We're I'm always open to, you know, preceptorships and internships, people shadowing us. We're always open to that. 
Um, the business name is Spine and Sports Center of Chicago. Uh, I can, you can email me at any time. It's gn at sscofchicago.com. Our website is sscofchicago.com, and I'd be more than willing to uh, always have a conversation, give people guidance, always open to it. Beautiful. And, and guys out there and girls out there, if you're looking to either associate or looking to go down the McKenzie track, I know George is, you know, big into the McKenzie side. And, and if I get a lot of people that are thinking about purchasing a practice, right. And so this people kind of, Oh, I think about buying a practice. Like you're about to spend a lot of money on this. It is a big investment. And it could be a good investment, but you better do your due diligence. So if you're out there and considering it, whether you're in school or an associate, if you don't reach out to George, that's on you, right? Gain knowledge. Let him let him talk to you, tell you the good and the bad. There's got to be both. We know this is not, you know, it's not crazy. He's doing well now. I'm sure it wasn't easy, but just get get another opinion. Get another opinion. So if you're out there, use your resources. Don't be stupid, you know? George, this was amazing. Thank you so much. And um you know, it, it, it hopefully we'll have you back again when you grow this thing from four staff to 10 staff. That's the goal. Yeah, that's the goal. That's the five-year plan. So, And then and then hopefully at that time, the Wolverines have a national championship. If they're lucky. <laughs> <laughs> that is the goal, but might not happen. No, there's a bit of a rebuild coming up. Uh, the Lions are more likely to win the Super Bowl in that time than the, than the Wolverines. Win the national that ain't good. So. All right, man. Well, I appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Thanks, bro. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. And if you found this content valuable, here are four ways I can help you for free. One, grab a copy of my free guide, The Rehab Chiropractor's Checklist. You can get that at go.drjustinrabinowitz.com slash guide. That's go.drjustinrabinowitz.com slash guide. Two, go ahead and give me a follow on Instagram at Justin Rabinowitz, where I post business content. Three, subscribe to my weekly newsletter by sending me an email at coaching at strive to move.com. And four, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more influential people and bring those lessons back to you.